Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. another episode of Yala Rocks. Today we have with us Alia Jenny, and you know what's super fun about Alia? She's done both previous years of the 21 Days of Belly Dance Challenge, and I'm pretty sure she finished both of them. I specifically remember her because she had a great backdrop, and her cats were always making appearances. They did that before this interview too, of course. I'm so excited to invite her into the lecture bundle this year, where she'll be doing her lecture titled Mirror Mirror, aka How to Get Over the I Can't Watch Myself on Video Syndrome. And I know your ears perked up and you went, oh, I need that. I know, because we all do. Watching videos of ourselves is so difficult. Today, on this episode, we'll get into a couple of ways that you can get around this, but if you really want to dive deep, then you can get this lecture as part of this year's Belly Dance Bundle. This lecture bundle is fantastic. Like, your eyes are going to pop out of your head when you're looking at the course list good. You can do that at thebellydancebundle.com lecture. We have 20 lectures happening as part of this portion of the bundle this year, and we'll be having them over the course of the next eight months or so. Recordings will be available for everything if you can't attend live, so don't worry if you're in a time zone that doesn't jive well with the U.S. It's no problem. I cannot wait to dive into this with you, so let's pass some time here today with Alia Jenny. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today, we're here with Alia Jenny. Jenny, AJ, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you as part of this year's bundle. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. So since this is your first time on the podcast, uh, give us a little bit of your background. How did you get into dance? How did it take over your life? Because I know it's taken over your life. It's taken over all of our lives. How did, how did we get from AJ who didn't know about dance to AJ who dances all the time? Ah, well... Let me bring you back. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so (laughs) back in 2002 in December, we moved into a snowstorm to the Hudson Valley of New York. And I was desperate from having been home full time with fraternal twins who were about to turn four. I was desperate to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. And I had a penny saver ad for a belly dance instructor. And the lessons were about 35 minutes of driving through dark, windy country paths to get to this class. <laughs> I, had to, I had to park in this dark, dark parking lot because we're in the country. And I fell in love with my first class. And that's it, that's been what it's been like. I mean, yeah, that was 
December 2002. And uh, the rest is history, I guess. The rest is history. It's, it always comes back, I think, to that moment, right? It's like, would you have driven 35 minutes there and back every day? Like, if that class hadn't captured you right away? Like, no. But we've all done that. We've all had that class that we like go to or that festival that we go to that takes forever because it's just such there's such joy in it. And I bet I'm sure that, you know, getting out of your house for that extra hour on the drive didn't hurt with fraternal twins. (laughs) Yeah, well, it quickly became following this teacher all around the Hudson Valley. So I was taking classes three or four times a week within like a month or two. I was very lucky. My very first class, I ended up in advanced class where everyone already knew about nine or 10 choreographies. Oh, wow. Yeah. And two of my sisters who were also called Jenny took me under their wing and taught me all the choreographies outside so I could keep up with the class. But like, I just remember the first class, they were doing improvisation with Zills in a circle in the room. And I walked in there with my baseball cap, my sweatpants, hunched over from running around chasing four-year-old twins. (laughs) And um, yeah, yeah. But I fell in love. And so I've never really looked back ever. No, no, I, I, I just, I fell in love with it. It, 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 it was permission to feel my body. Yes. During a time I grew up that I, I never, it wasn't role modeled in my culture for me growing up in the States. So I, I, I mean, I, I had done hip hop, I had done ballet, I had done contemporary study, all of that. And this Americanized form of belly dance felt like coming home for me at that time. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, I learned, you know, there's more to it, so much more. And now 18 years later, I feel like I'm still just hitting the very tip of that iceberg. I haven't even gone close to coming to like the base part of the iceberg to the whole depth in the water that I have. I, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm 52 and I'm like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm hoping to live until I'm hundred. So that means 48 more years of study in this dance form. Why not? And like what more, right? How much closer can you get to that base with all of that time and all of that study? Cause like you study a lot. Oh girl. You, you, you embody this eternal student mentality to me so clearly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, a lot of my mentors basically have told me, Jenny, you have to eventually just trust in yourself that you are doing it respectfully. Because that's my biggest concern. Like mm-hmm. in the last, I want to say, eight years, 10 years of this 18-year journey, I came to a huge realization it was important, and this was through a Donna Mejia lecture, not to be a tourist in this art form that I was coming to love. Nothing wrong with it if you choose to do that, but I want to do more than be a tourist. And a tourist is someone that would go to a country, right, and you just kind of stay in the hotels, and you wouldn't necessarily understand the culture of this country you were visiting. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. And then I realized I, did, I knew so little about it. So... How do I catch up, right? 52 years, 10 years. How do I catch up the 40 years that I'm still missing? That's why I'm still a perpetual student. Because I feel, it. I, yeah. So, I mean, I have source teachers that I'm constantly taking classes from on top of other dance heroes that I'm constantly watching. I mean, the ultimate thing though, right? What I'm, that I want to not get away from is 
I'm still trying to find my true self and my true voice. That's why I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it to be an imitation of anyone. I'm still trying to find my true voice and how can I be who I need to be? And a lot of people, well, well you already there. I'm like, no, I'm not because I'm always constantly evolving. We're always constantly evolving. I'm a different person from that 30 something year old that started this dance form. And I'll be a different person 10 years from now. <laughs> so you got to keep learning. Yeah. And your style evolves through all of that too. Cause like who you are at any given time is such an influence on your style and how you dance and how you portray emotion or judge yourself or, you know, and even what you have time for, like where you're at in your life. Yeah. Yeah. In preparing for today's talk, I, I kind of looked at my timeline and I was like, okay, so December, 2002, I started studying this dance form as a mom of twins. That's like the first time I started. Mm -hmm. And then I had to stop abruptly because I was going through cancer treatment. And I I was diagnosed with breast cancer in um, June of 2014. And during that treatment from 2014 until March of 2015, I, I had treatment that continued through October of 2015. But like, the, you know, the chemo, the surgery, the radiation, I was still trying to attend events, but mm-hmm. I really couldn't do much because I got sicker and sicker as time progressed. Mm-hmm. But then I had another restart March of 2015, because the same day I finished my last radiation treatment, I drove myself to a belly dance event and I was like, okay, let's go. Madness, <laughs> madness, and AJ. I, I couldn't do it. I mean, like I, it was my intensive with a Ziza. And it was like a four hour intensive, I'd like 45 minutes. And then my body was like, okay, you can sit here and watch. But I did, I stayed, you know, and I was able to absorb it versus now I noticed this past year before COVID, I was starting to actually feel myself physically again. And yet COVID, and now I'm resetting again, March, 2020. Yeah. Because I think for me, it's, it's not so much worrying about how much I have to catch up. I think it's more pivoting and understanding one's needs will change. You can't set one goal that's gonna be forever. It's gotta constantly adjust to where you are. Yes. Yes, and I feel like you probably have a lot of wisdom about like through this time in your life where you couldn't dance, but you were still attending and learning and being there and just being respectful of where you're at, like where, you know, any of our listeners, because I know there are people who are doing the 21 days of belly dance right now who have messaged me and said, this thing happened and I can't dance in this way. Or, you know, I work in healthcare and like, I just don't have the energy. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like respecting where your body is at, where your mental state is at at any given time. And then designing what you do around those needs. Oh, please, please be flexible. Whoever's listening to this, you're you're meant to hear this right now, right? So listen, to bring this back to my course that I'm offering for the bundle about being your own best coach, right? I started doing these 100-day improv challenges where I had to film myself anywhere, 30 seconds a minute, however long I wanted to do it. And I started doing my chemo. But here's the thing. A lot of people who knew me during that time, I kind of sugarcoated it. Okay, I'm going to be bluntly honest. It really sucked, you guys. I got really sick. <laughs> it was really bad. People don't tell you. It really, 
god-awful experience. But anyways, so in spite of that, I'm not telling you, oh, I was so strong and whatever because I was able to do three and a half cycles, 100 days of improv every day. It was because I was like, okay, I have to live until I can make my next video. That's the only thing getting me through. And it would be like, all right, well, here's your improv prompt. And I'm like, I'm going to do it like sitting in a chair. (laughs) Yes. I'm just going to move my arms and film myself doing it for 30 seconds just to log it. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go lie down. So for now, (laughs) F you all, I just, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hold on until I get that prompt for tomorrow. I mean, yeah, no, I'm, 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 a lot of people don't know, like there were many times I just didn't, I couldn't find the motivation to keep going except for those damn prompts that would, I'd be waiting for the next prompt. And I couldn't think beyond getting to chemo, getting to treatment or getting through surgery, whatever. And that next darn prompt. And that was it. And that got me through. And what I noticed though, over time was that it was a combination of me spending that devotional time to myself that I started to see a change in the quality of my movement. But I also started to change my mindset and how I saw myself in the videos. And here's the thing, you guys, that's a muscle that has to constantly be worked. The, the, the decision to watch yourself with a Care Bear stare. Huh. And all right, that decision, that active, um, that active decision to say, hey, I'm going to look at my dance journey has from a growth mindset, which means if you're alive, you can grow. And that's what kept you going. And that's, if you're alive, you can grow. Meaning no one is born with an innate talent that doesn't have to work at it. Everyone is born with the ability to grow. And that's something that, you know, I've had to reformulate because I grew up with this. Oh, you're born with you're born with natural talent. Right. And I've learned through watching my kids do their elite sports. They were always told you have no talent, but they would always end up with the gold medals at Junior Olympics because they were like, well, we're just going to work really hard. Mom, how can how can we do this? I'm like, you're nine years old. (laughs) Now, mommy, we want to like, you know, we want to we want to do really well at regionals. And I'd be like, you're, you're nine years old. (laughs) And their belief that they could get good enough, you know? So anyways, but for me, because I came into a belly dance at a later time in my life, I felt like I was always playing catch up, but I had a teacher that said to me, you have to remember that you bring to any dance form, your life experiences. Absolutely. That are so special and so unique that nobody else in the world has. Even if you're doing the same choreography, it is portrayed differently. And and if you're willing to open yourself up to this woo-woo idea, it's woo-woo because not everyone ascribes to it, but I ascribe to it. And that's what I say to my, this is my self-talk before I perform because I always get hit by imposter syndrome before I perform. Mm-hmm. And I always have to like, tune into myself. I do my breathing. I tune into my five senses. And I keep saying to myself, it's not about you. It's 
Who needs to see me today perform? What is the message I need to be a conduit from for? And that's it. And then it kind of takes the pressure off. Someone needs to see me perform today. I think that would that would pertain to you, me, anyone listening to this podcast, anyone choosing to dance in any public forum, whether it's a, it's a video or a performance online or at a show or at a restaurant. You know, it's, it's really bigger than just us being physically in our body when you're not in the privacy of your home once you are willing to take that step. So, yeah. And I think that that speaks a lot to also this this idea of perfectionism that holds people back, right? Is that it's, again, that is a self-ascribed level of perfect because everybody's version of perfect is different, right? So if you can take a step back from that and see how you're affecting other people by posting, right? Like by sharing your dance, by going and doing that thing that maybe you don't feel quite ready for, you're never going to feel ready for it. But how are, how are you influencing the greater worldview Mm -hmm. of what's happening? Right. Are you breaking these perfectionist stereotypes? Are you right? Like with the 21 days of belly dance, are we kind of removing this idea of perfectionism on Instagram, right? And yeah. sharing our practice and sharing other people who look like us just dancing, right? Because I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who are, are struggling with perfectionism during this. And I just oh, think okay. what you're talking about applies so beautifully to this struggle that people are having. I wrote this down in my notes. I'm showing yes. I'm showing my, my clipboard of notes. Perfectionism is an illusion, people illusion that's an illusion so listen if any of you ever want to come contact me on whatsapp i will send you videos of my son's dancing you and i see it as perfection he watches it and he's like oh my god i did this wrong and i did this wrong and mom what and i always have to remind him okay listen someone can be technically perfect in ballet and being capable of moving anyone why are you dancing? Are you dancing to show people how perfect you can be? Which is nothing wrong with that, by the way. Okay, so if you're one of those people who wants to just be technically perfect, woohoo, good for you. I'm so proud of you. Are you someone that wants to move people? Because it's got to be, for me, it's it's conglomerate of it. Like, I have gotten enough feedback that I know that I am moving people with my stories. But for me, so let's get back to using the mirror has your friend, right? And your camera has your friend. I'm now starting to be like, all right, look, when I watch a video of myself, people tell me I move them, but I see it and I'm not happy with it. How can I use this as my good friend? So that, that's like the self-talk to yourself. My mirror, yes. and my camera is my good friend, my helper. It doesn't lie to me. It doesn't tell me, oh, you look so good. When I didn't, I didn't hit that skill. And it's a neutral friend, right? It doesn't say, it doesn't put a judgment on it. It just goes, oh my God, this is, this is the truth. I, I missed that. I, I just did a performance in Joanna Abel's Creature Ball. And I was doing a, a, a thing where I literally, I missed it. And I kept it in my performance to show you like what practice looks like. She was like cross right over left. And I did my left over right. And I was like, oops, wrong thought. I mean, and yet, right, I, I, I liked it. It was funny. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Oh, I, I did a little sound effect with like the record scratch to, to, to really. Oh, yeah, no, I did see that. But I just thought like 
that it was no big deal. Like it was just part of the performance. And it I want made to show- it part of the performance. And I wanted to show people that that that's nothing wrong with that. There's actually another part in the in the video I kept in. I saw myself almost forget something and then remember it. You guys can't tell. I know I did. I kept it in the video because I was like, I kind of like that. I don't have to be perfect. So, um, so I wanted you to rethink that the video camera and the mirror is your good friend. It's your helper. It does not lie to you. It tells you neutrally that the goal you set, you didn't hit. There's no judgment with it, right? We judge ourselves. Right. We're the ones putting the judgment on it. Exactly. So here comes part B. So when you watch your, your videos, it's really important. You have to rewire your brain. I, I'm not your therapist, but we all have a lot of history that comes into play when we're triggered in any way. And for me, watching my videos is very traumatizing. And I have to separate that in some way from my, from the trigger trauma. Does that make sense? So I have to always self-talk to myself. Care bear stare, Jenny. Care bear stare. Perfectionism is an illusion. I have to breathe when I'm watching my video. I never breathe when I watch my video. I just hold it. Like, oh, my God. Oh, I missed it. Oh, oh. Breathe in the nose for four, out the nose for four. Breathe for like 10 seconds before you watch a video. Breathe during your video. Breathe after you've hit stop on your video. All right, that breath work is super important. Then you have to, like we were talking before, make a conscious decision to believe that each of us, every one of us, we have the power to grow. It has to be a growth mindset. It does not matter what age you are. It does not matter what your present level of dance is. And that's like the starting point. Then from that point, you want to think to yourself, well, me personally, how am I going to measure my ways to, how am I going to personally figure out I'm going to measure my growth, not your coach's growth. Like, how do I know I'm getting better? Mm-hmm. That's right? so important. Right? Because I mean, you could pay anyone and they can, they'll tell you what you want to hear, but like, what do you want to see? Cause like a lot of times people say, Jenny, you don't need to go to any more teachers. And, and I respect all of them. And I'm like, no, no, there's still, still certain things I'm not seeing that I want to achieve in my, when I see the playback. One, your dance heroes. I have more than three. Let me list some of mine to you. There's Aisha from Egypt, Nada Mazraya from Egypt. Egypt, based out in, in Canada, Aziza, who's based out in Canada, Amanda Rose, Ebony, April Rose, Sadie McQuat. Those are some people I, I regularly watch their videos and go, ooh, why do I like that movement? Is that something I want to see in my body later that I'm going to work towards? Or was there something that they, was there a music choice? Oh, I like the way they reflected that particular sound. Oh, maybe I'll do it my way, but I like that way that they brought my attention to it. Or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you got to figure out what is it that appealed to me or you for your dance hero? Well, and I think too, uh, on this point is not putting them up on a pedestal. Like these people are also not perfect. Their dance isn't perfect, right? You're not using these exactly. dance mentors and, and people to beat yourself up about it. You're using it to fuel and inspire and, and perpetuate that growth mindset forward and get inspiration for it. Yeah. That's a good reminder. So when I say dance heroes, I mean, 
What is it about their performance that touched you? What is it about that? Because that's generally what we, well, for me, this, if something touches me when I watch them perform, that's generally what I start to look for in myself when I'm watching the videos. And I'm not talking about just technique because all the people I just listed for you, right? Hands down, drill and train and dance many, many years before I came along and found them. They've done their work. They've been studying a long time, mm-hmm. all the work, right? And I haven't been privy to that. I just see the end results. And I understand that, that I'm at the beginning, you know, in whatever journey part you're in, I am in. Because other people are also seeing you in your journey. Understand that. And there's stuff, every one of you that's listening to this podcast, remember, you may not realize this. If you choose to post any of your performance videos, someone's watching you going, oh, wow, okay. There's something about that person, what they're doing, I really want to emulate too. Yes. Even your practice videos. I've already seen that happening through the challenge as people are posting this, you know, their challenge videos, their version of the combo, them doing this move. And you can see that admiration happening across the community. Oh, I really love how you did that entrance. Or I really love how fluid you are with this or how, you know, into this, you look like your facial expression while you're going. And like, even outside of this, like quote unquote finished product, right? Even in the practice space, you inspire people through what you're doing. And it takes it back to what you were saying at the beginning. It's not about you. Yeah. 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 And it's not about perfection. It is though about the process of uh, another thing I wanted to suggest Mm -hmm. is for some of us, it's very internal. It's like a personal reflection. It's an awareness. How do you feel about yourself as you do something like this over time? And I would really suggest it has to be at least three months because life happens in between, right? If you say, oh, I'm going to do a one month challenge. Sometimes things happen in the middle of it. And I think, oh, I failed. Nope. Right? Didn't fail. Right? right. You didn't fail. Life happened. And what I, what I really loved about the hundred day challenges is that, you know, if I just looked at it day to day within a week, I'd be like, oh my God, I just went downhill the whole time. But during the 100 day process, I would see these ups and downs and ups and downs, but it wasn't, a, it was like a gentle upward slope of the up and down. Mm, that- yes. So I, I may not have been, it wasn't like this straight line up angle. That's not life. My life is usually like spirals and dips and like, <laughs> ups and, downs and like circles and all kinds of crazy patterns. But ultimately, if you give yourself the grace of that to be able to go up and down, it's easier to pick yourself up when it's a bad day or a bad period to just start it back up again. It can't be all or none, you guys. That's just not life anymore. Yeah. And I think that this idea is so important to put into your personal practice, right? That's exactly the the path you're looking for on a personal practice is, you know, those fluctuations, but over time, right? You're playing the long game here. No one's going to learn, even though we do these workshop weekends, right? Where it's like, we're here for three days and we're going to learn as much as we can. At the end of those three days, you're not like suddenly a brand new dancer, it takes time for you to implement all of those things into your body over the course of months and years and weeks and days of study. And so like really adopting this mindset, adopting this into how you look at your personal practice over time, I think takes so much of the pressure off. 
Yeah, you've got to take the pressure off. I mean, I'm a deterred style teacher through Rachel Bryce, and she's one of the first few people who introduced this growth mindset to deterred style teachers. And uh, I am a completely different dancer now than when I started Eight Elements in 2012. Eight years it took me. So now I can go and do the layers that are required of the deter style without too much struggle. When I'm telling you that first year of that first class with Rachel Bryce back in 2009 in Boston when they were touring with belly dance superstars and they had us doing there were two circles of us in a gigantic studio space. I think it was like, I don't remember. It was like linoleum floors. Everyone's doing three quarter down hips. I was like, I'm never going to get this. <laughs> and yet here you are. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. I mean, even like, uh, let's see, Zoe Jakes and Irina Akulenko, Amy Sigil, Cami Little, Aubrey Hill. These are people that I've been learning over the years. And I've noticed how my quality and ability to keep up with them, because they've also been evolving, but mm -hmm. my ability to keep up with them has changed. We're all growing, we're all learning. And yet I want to really do, I do want to advocate this. It's not just the physicality, you guys, right? Because there's a cultural knowledge. Yes. That absolutely. has marinate in your body. So for example, Khadija, I've been taking classes from her for years. Kareem Nagy, I met Amel Tafsut through his Arab dance seminars. Which I've been going so good. They're amazing, you guys. You have to get on the mailing list because they sell out within a day. He he taught caps it at 40 people. They were the ones that helped me find a definition from those dreaded bios when you perform. Right? Because th there is a moving away from the word belly dance, like this whole growth of like language and mm -hmm. That's part of this dance form, you guys. It's not just this physical, I'm just gonna dance in my own bubble thing, right? I have found my dance has gotten richer the more I've delved into knowledge training with Amel, because I was doing Arabic with her in the last few months, right? Because now I'm some like, okay, so true confession. When I first started this dance form, I never really listened to a lot of the cultural music some of it some of the dances that i learned had it but i couldn't hear it i didn't understand it fast forward right now i'm 2020 i am actively i have a playlist of egyptian-based music turkish music um that i'm listening to and i can start to hear some of the subtleties that i could not hear years ago and i think it's made me a richer dancer even when i do my fusion forms because Amel always takes it back. And I love this about her. She reminds us that, that for many of us, the, the sources of it comes from community. It's always been community. And it's, it's important to remember that when, even if you're dancing alone in your home, we're connected energetically when we move and you're not alone. To dance is to not feel alone. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful way to put it. Cause I think that we, I don't know about other people, but I, I do dance when I'm stressed and I feel lonely and I feel those things. And so, you know, getting up and, and dancing does remove that for me. And I think I always thought it was the connection to the music itself, right. As almost as if the music was a person. 
that I was dancing with, but you are connecting into an even deeper community that just exists, you know, cause no, at no point, right. And when I'm dancing, am I the only person dancing? Right. Right. Someone else, somewhere else is some, is also working on their dance, just like sheer numbers, right. It has to be true. That's kind of cool. AJ, this has been awesome. I think you've shared so much with people. Um, so your course in the bundle is called Mirror Mirror, aka How to Get Over the I Can't Watch Myself on Video Syndrome. And I think you've touched on a lot of the things that you're going to delve even deeper into during the course. And I cannot wait to jump into this. I know when I first asked you to be part of the bundle, I was, I, I told you that I wanted you to speak to what you thought dancers needed to hear. And this is what you came back with. And it's so on the nose, <laughs> especially um, with the private messages, the DMs I've been getting through the challenge, like seeing people struggling with not only watching themselves on the videos that they're making, but then posting them and sharing them. Um, and that, you know, some people through the act of doing it, through the act of being part of the challenge have gained more confidence and gotten through it as the community has gathered around them and lifted them up. But I know that there are some people who are still struggling with it a lot. And I think this is something that all students of dance really need to work through. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's a personal thing. Like no one can tell you, no one's going to say the magical thing that just makes it okay. And now you're fine. Right. It's all the internal work that has to go with like, why are you uncomfortable with this? And like, what do you need as a human to move forward in this, in this arena? And I, I think that this is going to help people a lot with that. Yeah. Don't, don't forget to breathe you guys and give yourself grace. Give yourself the grace of, of being a student and learning and knowing that sometimes the goals change and sometimes you have to change directions. Sometimes, sometimes you got to just take a break from it and do something else. I'm taking acting classes. <laughs> That's a whole nother. Oh my God, you guys so cool, but my God, so much work, but it's, 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 I think it's going to make me a better dancer, a better performer, a better storyteller. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cross training is not just for physical forms. It is also for, right. All of these other bits and pieces that come into our dance. Oh yeah. Excellent. So Alia, tell people where can they find you on the internet? Where can they follow you and learn more from you? Because they're inspired after this interview. They want to, they want to find you on the internet. Where do they go? The quickest, easiest place is if you, I think the, yeah. IG Instagram is the only thing you can even find also on the internet versus just your phone. Go to at Jenny dance one eight. I have a link tree link there that has all of my social media stuff on there. I love link tree. You guys, it's it also, great. right. So that's a central location for my, uh, my TikTok, <laughs> my Facebook, my detersa classes that I'm offering. I'm certified in Sharky workout. I'm certified in work, which is like a hip hop cardio thing. And then there's like AJ style that's coming out soon. And you can sign up for all those classes there on Linktree. And um, when you do my class in the bundle, you guys, this workshop is part of a three workshop DVD. And I will give you like, well, you can contact me. I'll give you the link before that if you want it. But the version's a little bit different when I teach it for you in the bundle. <laughs> it's updated. It's, it's just a little different because you, I, I've had really good reviews from the DVD that was produced through Candlelight Productions based out in Buffalo. Jenny, I have one last question for you. 
to end this on a humorous note, where is the strangest place that you have ever danced? And practice counts. Okay, so um, I tell this to my students already, but now I'm willing to go public with this. Oh, it's time. Let's go. I struggle with consistency of the flutter. The only time I can achieve it is in the mornings after shower naked in my bathroom. It is so beautiful, you guys. It is exquisite, but I, I can't film that because I'm naked in my bathroom. But know that I'm hitting performance quality flutters at will in all kinds of positions naked <laughs> in the mornings after my shower. Can't get it anywhere else. So every morning you wake up, imagine how beautiful my flutters are. <laughs> Excellent, Jenny. Thank you so much for sharing that story and for sharing all of the wisdom around using our videos and being a coach for ourselves because it's such a great tool and I can't wait for people to jump into this class. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your time and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. AJ is fantastic. There are some great tips here to get you started on the path to watching your dance videos without cringing. Remember, breathing is super important and the Care Bear stare. That's definitely gonna make me laugh before I watch any of my videos, which is going to make it so much easier. If you wanna go deeper with this, you absolutely can by purchasing the bundle this upcoming Wednesday. It goes on sale on October 21st and is only available until October 28th. So if you're interested in this lecture or any of the other 19 lectures happening as part of the 2020 bundle, make sure to jump on board next week. You can check out those other lectures and more about AJ's lecture at thebellydancebundle.com slash lecture. And you can get the show notes at thebellydancebundle.com slash 48, which will hook you up with all the places you can find AJ online. So remember, when you're putting up your challenge videos this week and you start to cringe, breathe and Care Bear stare.